rest of the Suguru. Episode 11, The Brick You'd think a successful assassination of a monster would go over well for the people that the monster controlled. But when you simply replace the face of the monster, the innards will continue on, business as usual. The people can only endure so much oppression and degradation from their leaders. Under enough pressure, the plight of the people will explode. The explosion is often so immense, it takes down anything and everything in its path, including the people. The people won't tolerate incompetence for long. When you're already lost, there's no room for misguidance. I sit in my office, watching the lively cityscape beyond my window. The light pollution washes out the stars, making it hard to see my destiny. From what I can see, my future's despondent. Over these last few weeks, the people have become exceedingly fed up with the new regime, which is ironically the old regime. They protest against policies put in place by the group of men who took down their great Fuhrer. Down in the street, a protest rally has begun. After his assassination, the Fuhrer was made out to be a martyr, a modern-day deity. It's disturbing, and a complete backfire from the plan. The people are worthy of decent leadership. They need a leader who will stand beside them, not in spite of. I want to join the protesters to lead them to a new position. They need to know they're not alone. I can't stand this anymore. I'm trapped. I'm being driven to insanity. The chants of the people become louder, haunting me. My mind deviates the chanting into a guilt-driven hypnosis, shouting the attacks in the direction of my own culpability. The people know I've let them down. I have to get out of this room. I stomp down the hall to Max's office and force my way through the officers standing around his desk. The group is joking around, as if the cracks in the veneer of the world falling apart are invisible. I lean on the desk. Do you see what's going on? Yeah, what about it? He says casually, still eyeing his papers to avoid eye contact. I snatch the papers and toss them to the floor. The people aren't happy. He looks up at me with a sullied look and nonchalantly sits back in his chair. Those rebels are never happy, Abby. He holds out his fingers for his new assistant to manicure. I watch as Max and his assistant delve into one another for a moment before I spin his chair around to see me. It's been months, and you haven't done anything you promised me you would. Max stands up. I'm happy you found your bravado, my dear. But I can't have you storming about like you own the fucking place. He walks past me to his minibar. Max, you promised you would close the camps. You promised me you would do better for the people. One of his officers interrupts me. If you're not careful, girl, you're going to find yourself in a camp with all of your dirty friends. <laughs> the room erupts in laughter. Bruno! Max shouts like he's shouting at a dog. She belongs here with me. He lashes his glass at the officer who made the comment. Just then, a brick flies through the window. Hitting the chair Max stood up from, we duck as the exploding ballet of glittering glass shards sprinkle the air like furious confetti. When the air clears, I pick up the brick from Max's chair, whipping it in his direction. Are you happy, Max? You were almost hit. This is getting way too close for comfort. Hell, I was almost hit by that fucking brick. Easy, Abby. Max stands and dusts himself off. Remember, there are just some wackos down there on the street. He looks in the mirror to straighten his tie. Captain! Bruno rushes over to help Max adjust his uniform. Yes, sir! Take care of those brick-thumping bastards who think they rule this place. The captain starts out the door, but Max stops him. And also, find someone to clean up this glass. Yes, sir. The captain salutes and takes his men out of the office. I pick up the brick again. This time, I hand it to him. Max, you can't just ignore the plight of your people. He stares at the brick for a moment and dismisses his assistant with a blow of a kiss. <laughs> she leaves. 
Max is almost ashamed. Abby, you don't understand. You think it's so easy. You have to listen to them. I take the brick and wave it in his face. They're a good aim. You should be happy it wasn't a bullet this time. He snatches the brick from my hand. I don't have to listen to this shit. He whips the brick into the garbage can beside his desk. If I give in to their demands, there'll be another group out there tomorrow. And another. And another. Get it? He paces nervously, rubbing his hands in frustration. I control the status quo. I'll keep the status quo. I roll my eyes. Status quo, like you would know anything about the status quo. We hear yelling outside, followed by a barrage of gunshots. I know this much. Max cups his hand to his ear to exaggerate his listening to the struggle in the street. Status quo has returned. I'm telling you, Max, if you don't do something good for your people, that brick will weigh you down. Those bricks aren't my people. He stands in the mirror and combs his hair. Buzz off, Abby. If you like those damn bricks so much, go join them in the fucking trash. He kicks over the garbage can and the brick slides to my feet. As determined as I am to help the people... I need to change the subject while it's just me and Max in the office. (sighs) So, how's the reproduction of the technology going? Max closes the office door and sits at his desk. You know as well as I do, they can never recreate that technology. They're too primitive. I simply use the device as my ticket to world domination. Now, I'm in charge and doing what I want. He looks around, pretending to look for some invisible answer floating around in the atmosphere. I'd say I've succeeded in my quest. I get to do what I want, when I want. If someone blows my brains out tomorrow, I'll still be one happy fucking camper. Just dead. I remind him. You'll be remembered as a traitor to your own country. Unless you do the right thing. The right thing is completely subjective, my dear. I'll be remembered in history as someone who did what he needed to do to survive and became a mighty ruler. I belong to my own country. How many people can say that? I roll my eyes. Touché. There's nothing more to say. The decision's been made for the quagmire to continue, and Max will fight his own country for a sliver of a piece of history. I return to my office in defeat. I've fallen for a dirty trick. I've sold today for the empty promise of a better tomorrow. Days later, the atmosphere is still unbearably thick, like something is about to give. I want out. I don't know how, but I will get out of here, alive or dead. A commotion in the hallway snaps me out of my bat of self-pity. I open my door to the chaos. Officers and soldiers are scurrying around, burning papers and barrels throughout the building. I step into the chaos, becoming swept up in the hustle. The flow of people drags me through the labyrinth, deeper into the turmoil. Somehow, I make my way into Max's office, where he's frantically tossing papers into his fireplace. I place my hand on his back. Max, what's going on? The Allies are close. We're all fucking dead. He tosses papers in the direction of the fireplace, but they hit the mantle, bursting all around the room. Everyone's leaving us. What? Isn't this premature? I think it's safe to say we've changed history. Somehow a troop of allies found out about the change in Nazi power. They found a weak point and pushed their way in. He watches the fire grow as he tosses in another stack. I don't have time for chit-chat, so either help or run away. I begin picking up the papers from the ground, which failed to make it into the fireplace. I slowly toss them, one at a time, into the fire. Where am I supposed to run, Max? He shoves more papers into the fire. Run anywhere! Far from here! Some of the officers and their families are taking shelter in the bunker. They're hiding in the bunker? (laughs) That's desperation. I watch him for a moment. Are you going there? He reads the papers in his hand, ashamed. No. They hate me. I'd be safer with the Allies. He wads the paper in anger and whips it into the fire. Now I'm burning all this shit to cover my own ass. Rage boils up inside of me. You could have changed things. You could have been a hero. I don't want to hear it, Abby. I told you it wasn't as simple as you wanted it to be. Now get out of here and go find a place to hide. I crumble up a piece of paper and whip it into his face. You coward! 
You're the worst kind of evil. You let the bad chick continue with full knowledge of the future. I leave him to ponder my words. In my office, I lock the door and stare out the window at the pillars of smoke in the distance. Although I'm lost as to what to do next, I need to eat something. I cannot get anything substantial from the kitchen. The staff abandoned early taking the food with them, and I don't blame them. As of now, the only ones left in the building are me and the ones burning evidence. I open the top drawer of my desk. Luckily, I have a bag of almonds and a small bottle of Jaeger stashed away. Next, I go to my radio and search through my 78s for some smooth jazz to muffle the mayhem, as if it's meant to be. My favorite album, I Want to Be Alone by Cat McKay, falls from its sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Me too, Cat. Me too. Volume at full blast. I place the record on the shaft and start the turntable on repeat. The piano begins and I sink into my couch, goodies in hand. I listen intently to the music. As Katz tickles the keys, he tickles my soul into a state of happiness. I pop open my bottle and relax into my own little apocalypse party. The Jaeger takes control of my mind, and I'm taken on a charmed journey through the stars, far away from this hell. No worries, just me and my universe reuniting swimmingly. Finally, the booze steals my consciousness, giving me sleep I've needed to dream of a magical rescue. I open my eyes in a quiet darkness. Electricity has been cut off. I put on my thickest sweater and delicately enter the hallway. The craziness which swept me away earlier has now set with the sun. There's no one around but smoldering burn barrels crackling away the sins of the Nazis. The smoke burns my eyes and stings my nose as I quickly squirm through the barrels on my way to find Fear Mackenzie in his final moments of leadership. Distant explosions and the voice of the occasional wanderer on the street are magnified on the marble floors, making the emptiness lonelier in the now vacant halls. Nothing left here but the remainders of an empire crumbling to ruin. In Max's office, I find him watching the once raging fire die, his isolated aura pleading for contact with another life form. Hey, Max. I sit next to him with my head on his shoulder. Sorry about earlier. I was just tired. You're supposed to be hiding, Abby. He takes a gulp of bourbon. We're almost here. Where am I going to hide? I lean in to get a glimpse of his face. They'll find me no matter what. You're right. I'm nothing but a coward. He takes another swig of bourbon and offers me a sip. Initially, I did want to make this place better, but I was met with flack and gave up. Eventually... I just got swept up in their fucking delusion. I know you did. The spirits burned my already drunk stomach, causing me to feel nauseated, but equivocally numb. I never had control. He takes the bottle back and finishes it. But if you repeat a lie enough, people believe it. He tosses the empty bottle into the fire, which is now reduced to red embers. People believe it. You'll always find someone to believe the lie. To spread it. He lights his last cigarette and tosses the empty package into the fireplace. One last flame erupts. I believed it. I was stupid. I thought I had some say. So many fucking people around me all the time. They'd toss a few papers onto my desk and demand a signature. Never knew what they said. They're all written in German. I'm such a maroon. I've been here for years and can barely say speakings or English. He thinks. Looking back, they wanted it that way. So they could use me to assassinate Adolf and steal my ideas. Those greedy fucks. I wrap my arms around him. I'm so sorry those greedy fucks did that to you, Max. Well, don't worry. I screwed them over. He smiles. (laughs) What do you mean? I stand in front of him. This is the end for me. He motions his head toward his desk. But it's just the beginning for you. I go to the desk and look in the drawer. 
There's an undamaged watch. I managed to fix the screen for you. He warms his hands over the hot embers of the fireplace. But I think the programming is fried. I put the watch in my dress pocket. Thank you. He nods. I destroyed the other one. His eyes hide in the shadows of his skull as he looks in my direction, but not at me, at the emptiness. His pain brings tears to my eyes. Come with me. The distant battle explodes, reminding us time is short. He pushes me toward the door. Go away, Abby. I have to do this. Do what? I push him back, startled by his insistency. He takes out his gun. If you don't leave, you're going to join me. You're going to kill yourself? You really are a coward. Coward? No. Running away is coward. He looks his gun over. He's found his final love. This way, at least I die with honor. Not shot by some kid who was given a gun and told to follow orders. I've been that kid, Abby. He closes his eyes and caresses his gun's smooth barrel against his face. I welcome her escape. A boom from the street. A bombshell hits the building, knocking us to the floor. (coughs) I cough to clear the dust from my airway. My ears ring with a painful echo, and my head pounds. I sit up to find my surroundings. The window's been shattered and the wall breached, causing the floor to lean. The entire front of the building may just collapse. I crawl to Max, who has propped himself up under the mantle beside the fireplace. Max, (laughs) we gotta get out of here. (laughs) I pull his arm. He pushes me away and raises the gun. I am about to get out of here. I try to grab the gun. Max, don't do this. He pushes me even harder. I have to, Abby. He points the gun at me. Wanna come with? Ah! I flinch. Didn't think so. He aims the barrel at himself. I place my hand on his knee. We can get through this together. You know, as well as I do, I've done some bad shit. I don't care anymore, and I don't want another chance to screw up. He places the barrel in his mouth and closes his eyes. Before I can respond, he pulls the trigger. The gunshot rings into the atmosphere, shattering my bubble of thought. Bloody mist speckles my face as the rest of the Red River trickles down the slanted floor, unleveled by the explosion. I stand, gasping for air. I scream, but nothing escapes my lips. I can't look at him. It. When I find the ability to gather myself, I pick up the purple velvet curtains hanging crooked on the nearby window to wipe the blood from my face. The soft velvet of the curtains reminds me of naive times. I bought these curtains at a small shop when I still had hope. Like many things in this country, I'm sure they were ill-gotten, probably taken from someone who was no longer considered worthy of such extravagance. I didn't think about where they came from at the time. I wanted to believe the lies. I guess that makes me just as guilty as anyone else. The disgusting actions these curtains represent remind me how real the situation is. The delicate velvety fibers now feel like sandpaper. I turn again to the room. The only light is the dull candle on the mantelpiece which had fallen on its side in the explosion. I rip the curtains down and toss them onto the body. I'm so sorry, Max. I apologize as I use him to climb on the mantel. My heart thumps as I stumble over the velvet mound to grab the scrap of candle. I stand, dust myself off, and try to be rid of the contact I had with him. I have to get out of this room and try to clear my head from what I saw. I collect my emotions and make my way to the wine cellar. I find a dry corner in a tiny dark pantry behind some shelves. I clear out the spider webs and cover up with my blanket, rocking gently as I scream and cry out my emotions. The dank and musty basement is like the netherworld exemplified. I'm utterly alone, trapped by my own misjudgments. The candle burns out, making it gloomier in the cellar, intensifying my fear. Gunfire lurks deep into the night. There's no rest for the troops as the allies creep closer to town. Alone with a mind like an empty slate, I wonder how much time I have as my life ticks down to zero. That reminds me. I reach in my pocket and grab the watch. 
I roll it over and over in my fingers, feeling each part of its smooth surface. I want to try and use it, but there's no a button or port or anything. What is this thing? My thoughts are joined with the sound of rats darting around in the cellar. Occasionally, one scurries across my foot. I should be disgusted by my current situation, but I'm just happy I'm not entirely alone. I wish I could remember who I really am, because I'm not this woman I'm pretending to be. Next time on Tales of the Zuguru. Days, weeks, hours. I have no comprehension of time or space. You should listen to me, you know. I'm a rat. I've been through a lot, and I know what I'm talking about. Rescued or die. Nice one, so. Rescued or die. The soldier finds a bottle of interest and pops it open with his knife. Rescued or die. Reality is a game of roulette. Rescued or die. Not knowing where I will land. You dropped this bracelet when you fell over in the basement. No. I know what I heard. So you're either a Looney Tune or a time traveler. <laughs>